hold hands and close your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to the Ghost Story Pass. Hello, this is Luke Law, a companion piece to the Ghost Story Guys podcast, where I share some of the folklore surrounding the stories the main episodes tell. Today I'll be taking a look at furry folklore as a companion piece to the episode 26, In the Land of the Furry, The Digression is King. This Luke Law follows on quite nicely from black dogs, who are commonly held to be a type of furry creature, but we're going to be a bit more general here. This is a topic that Brennan does not like messing with, of all the things we deal with, so that should give you some idea now that we aren't talking Disney fairies here. First up, a heads up. You know how my French was rough? Well, we're dealing with Celtic today. I saw a great guide to pronouncing Celtic a little while ago. Step 1. Read the word. Step 2. Wrong. I shouldn't be too bad as I vaguely know these, but my tongue trips up over certain things, so let's see how we go. What we call furries now are a very mixed bunch. They're a collection of European otherworldly creatures, the stories of which are mostly preserved from Celtic, Gaelic and Nordic stories, but also anything from a fairy tale can count. Fairy tale creatures as in The Brothers Grimm can be accused of having sold out and gone mainstream, but they are still broadly being from the same traditions, only generally further east into Europe itself. What we consider to be a fae creature gets extra confusing as they come from thousands of years of oral traditions, but have only actually been called furries for about 500 years or so. The furry moniker looking like it comes from Greek mythology, of all things, and fae is a play on the fates of mythology. To muddy the waters even further, furry-like creatures from other cultures typically get the fae stamp added to them. Focusing on the ancient Irish traditions, if only out of desperation for a starting point, furry creatures are referred to as Eos She, otherworld creatures, or otherworldly creatures, or of the otherworld. Celtic is a bit tricky to work through. Actually naming these beings is supposed to be a bad thing though, going on a lot of old stories. Using a familiar name of theirs can get their attention, generally a bad thing. Finding their true name can give you power over them, also a bad thing if not worse thing, as now they're probably angry at you. In a way, calling them fairies is probably um, pulling quite the blinder going off the old naming myths. It gives a broad term for them which isn't actually true naming any of them. This slang term for them from a mere handful of centuries ago probably not even registering for the older creatures yet. One defining factor of a furry creature that sets them apart from some sort of bogeyman or ghost or demon is that they frequently have a dual nature. The roles that they play can be either benevolent or malevolent. If you follow the rules of etiquette with a furry, they can be quite helpful and friendly, but doing something wrong can enrage them, even make them dangerous. And even if they do like you, plenty of furries are known for the mischievous natures and their idea of fun may not be so great for the person they are playing with. They aren't like us, and it may not be possible to anticipate what they do or why. Brownies, or brunies, are a good example of how fairy creatures follow their own rules. Please note that this is the most common naming for convenience, and to avoid having me butcher their regional name variations, especially the Welsh ones. There's something of a household spirit who will do small repairs and chores around the house, provided offerings of food and milk are left out for them, and no one insults them. Any fairy tale looking at a wee folk involved in some sort of craft is likely a story about some form of bruni. They're renowned for having a sense of mischief even when the family of the house is on their good side, and they love playing practical jokes on lazy servants in big households. But please take careful note of how they don't like being insulted. 
This will vary from brownie to brownie. One noteworthy story from memory goes that they don't like being directly thanked, something different from the offering that they will expect. Saying thank you out loud for something they've done can result in a malicious rampage trashing the house before the brownie leaves forever in disgust. Attempting to test them in some way typically ends in disaster too. So we have an archetypal house furry in brownies who will make repairs and help tidy up, who will also pull pranks and hit cleaners they deem lazy when they're happy, and when they're unhappy can go on an unstoppable rampage. This is pretty standard for furries. Furry creatures generally share a weakness to iron, cold iron, sometimes metal in general, and also potentially magnets. This can take many forms. It may repel them, or ward against their magic. It may be that you could hurt them with cold iron where they are otherwise invulnerable to mortal means. Black hounds, often being mixed up with furry folklore, can often be held at bay in their stories by carrying horseshoes or old nails. It's also pretty common for furries to not like Christian symbolism. This doesn't exactly mean that you can send them packing by waving a crucifix and blasting out some hymns. It most often seems that they just don't like how Christianity pushed out the old ways, and unless there's some iron involved, they're just as likely to go berserk as they are to wander off in disgust at Christian symbols. I would suspect any story involving church grounds being safe from furries is as much, if not more, to do with the iron fencing which tends to be found around these churches than divine intervention. My personal favourite fake creature from childhood was always the knuckle Anyone who's got a sense of what a horror fan oddball I am, and always have been, is not going to be surprised by this one. The Knuckle of E is that rare furry being which is lacking in duality, although it most definitely is held to be a fey creature. Best known across the coast of Scotland, and in Nordic tales than in the Celtic traditions, the Knuckle of E hates all humans and kills them indiscriminately. You would know it if you saw it, or at least know to run away from it, as it looks like some kind of messed up centaur. The entirety of a horse, with the upper torso of a man fused seamlessly where a rider would normally sit, but not entirely like a man, as its long, grasping arms trail so long that they can reach the floor. Beyond the odd proportions, the knuckle of ear is clearly not some strange mirage of a ridden horse for one other obvious feature. It has no skin. Red raw sinew and veins are exposed on the knuckle of ear. Feel free to google this guy. They have a great image gallery online as morbidly fascinated artists take on the tale. The Knuckle of E will stalk out from the sea to kill any human it spots on the coast. While it probably has the typical fair weaknesses of disliking iron and not being a fan of Christianity, the go-to staples are probably just going to enrage it. So should a monster that would put most of the Silent Hill menagerie to shame come charging out to see at you to rip your head off, I recommend the Knuckle of E specific weakness here. This furry murder beast cannot stand pure water. If you get to any of it, especially a flowing stream, you're fine. Although... Don't mock it if you do get away. It may remember you if you do this, and being a faceless human that got away is one thing. Getting yourself on the shit list of a monster that scared marauding vikings is probably not a great life choice. We had a special request for more Banshee material on the back of the Black Dogs episode, which lined up really well with furries. While Banshee are normally considered to be a sort of ghost, they are actually Aoshi, a non-human otherworldly creature. Typically the Faro and Irish bloodline, wailing the famously ear-spitting scream either in mourning at the death of a family member or else warning of impending doom. Because of how frightening their scream is and what that portents, this fake creature has a bad reputation which is a little unfair as they're the messenger and not the disaster itself. I still wouldn't want to mess with them as that never goes well with the fur folk, 
but while they scare people, they're mostly trying to help in their own way. A banshee can have quite a varied appearance with the whale being their main identifier. This may be related to the stories which suggest a banshee will only appear for certain traditional Irish families. There could well be specific banshee for each of these families themselves. The various descriptions of a banshee can ironically make them the furry most tied into Greek fates, given that they're also the furry most likely to be considered a ghost. They very much follow maiden mother crone archetypes, with their nerve-shredding whale being the main identifier of the Aoshi nature. One description of them is that they are the Bane Sieve, two separate words spelt excruciatingly Celtic. There are other regional spellings and pronunciations though. It only really bears pointing out that Banshee is a relatively recent anglicised version of the name. Here are two traditional short stories of Banshee sightings, something a lot shorter than the main show would run, which listeners may find interesting. A group of children in the 18th century swore that one evening they came across a little old lady sat on a rock beside the road. At first seeming normal, when the kids got closer, she began to clap her hands and wail in an inhuman way, sending them all running in terror. The next day they found out that the old man who lived in the house behind that rock had died around the same time they saw the strange old woman. Skipping forwards to around 1900, there was an old woman who swore that, as a little girl, when she was stood by the window of her house in Cork, she saw a woman in white on the bridge ahead. The figure gave the clear wail of a banshee before disappearing, and the next morning her grandfather fell to hit his head, falling unconscious to never awaken again. One day, while this now old lady was ill, her daughter heard wailing around, and worse, underneath the old lady's bed. Her mother didn't notice anything herself, but soon died, the banshee wail warning her daughter that death was near. When I set out to write this Luke lore, I expected to cover a lot more ground. It turns out there's quite a lot to say about furries, so I'll definitely be back for future parts on this one, although I'm not sure exactly when. And that's all for Luke lore this time. I'll be back in a month with another episode, and followers on Patreon get this early, so check out patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys for that and plenty more cool stuff if you want to support us directly. But as ever, just listening is plenty of support in and of itself, and I'd especially like to see more people sharing Luke lore around. In fact, we're going to be putting up a contest for sharing Luke lore soon. It's going to be to win a t-shirt from a game that I worked on, because I uh, test video games as my boring day job. There will be more details on that very soon, probably to the point where the contest may actually be over before this uh, goes to general release, but we will be talking about it online. I hope you enjoy my companion show, and please feel free to reach out to either the show or myself directly via email or social media if you have any questions, feedback, or requests for Luke Law. This episode, for example, got the Banshee featured over Selkies or Gremlins because of a Patreon comment on the Black Dog episode. The show email is ghoststoryguys at gmail.com, and I am Luke Greensmith on both Twitter and Facebook. We also have a very active Instagram account full of fun things we've found around the internet and even occasionally news and peeks behind the scenes. I want to end this with one of my favourite things written about furries, and specifically elves, by the late great Sir Terry Pratchett for his Discworld novel Lords and Ladies. Elves are wonderful. They promote wonder. Elves are marvellous. They cause marvel. Elves are fantastic. They create fantasies. Elves are glamorous, they project glamour. Elves are enchanting, they weave enchantment. Elves are terrific, they beget terror. The thing about words is that meanies can twist like a snake. 
And if you want to find snakes, look for them behind words that have changed their meaning. No one ever said elves are nice. Elves are bad. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.